This is the Overtime Podcast Network. the six podcast bringing you the latest on your favorite toronto sports teams from south of the canadian border here's your host adam corsair all right here we go welcome to episode 98 of the south of the six podcast we are part of the stadium scene.tv network and now part of the overtime media crew Joining me today is the icon, the showstopper, the main event himself, Mr. Peter HBK of Life and Repeat. Peter, hold on one second, dude. Hold on. I always thought that, like, you know, we were talking about you being, like, the icon, the showstopper, and, like, oh, that's a little fun. That's fun. But you are the icon and the showstopper in the main event because you just came from New York. No, well, not just came, but you came from New York to watch the Raptors played in my country and you're like a big deal man what's going on how you been and how was the trip (laughs) adam it's all-star break it's a long weekend here in ontario i'm fresh off my visit to new york city where we saw the knicks and raptors marcus souls first game msg i went into your neck of the woods i rocked my raptors colors and had a boy it was an awesome trip, and I, I shared with you a story off air that I didn't want to share on air. That, um, but I, I figured I wanted to share a story with you that happened to me and my two brothers a couple hours before the game that I thought was pretty funny. Hold on one second. Hold on. Go ahead. <laughs> Cheers. So, um, so we go to. So we're staying in Midtown Manhattan. And we go to this bar before the game. We want to have a drink or two and enjoy a night out in New York. And Mm -hmm. I'm there. I'm rocking my red and black flannel, my Toronto versus everybody shirt. My brother's there rocking his vintage Vince Carter jersey tee. My other brother's there. He had no Raptor merch, but that's all cool. So we're at the bar. We're sitting there. We order a drink. And our server comes up to us. And she's like, I take it you guys are from Toronto and you're Raptors fans. She, we're like, well, what gave it away, right? Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, you know, my my father used to play for the Raptors. No. And I'm like, whoa, okay. We're like, who? And she's like, oh, my father is Jean Tabak. Okay. And that's for that's old school. He was yeah. on the original Raptors team. I think he spent two years in Toronto. He was our starting center. Like, I don't have any physical memories of him, but I remember him being on the Raptors. And I, I remember being um, a youngster and my brother taking me to the Sky Dome to see yep. the Raptors play. And this is when you could get a ticket for 50 cents. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so so we were like, we knew the name. And we're like, whoa, you're, you're, that's, that's pretty incredible. And like, so not only did we have like a Toronto connection, John Tabak is also Croatian. And hmm. as you know, Adam, from my summer World Cup fever that... I'm Croatian. I'm, I'm first-generation Canadian. So not only did we have the, the Raptors connection, um, we also had the Croatian connection. So we got to hang out with uh, Jean Tabak's daughter, and she was incredibly hospitable and friendly to chat with. And we just thought it was a pretty strange coincidence that 
lo and behold, we're being served by John Tabak's daughter and she couldn't be any more gracious or fun to chat with. And um, yeah, I thought I'd share that. That was pretty, that was pretty unique story. It sounds like you had a very, uh, I don't want to say busy, but eventful time in uh, in New York here in in the states. Um, I look, I, I hope that you were treated kindly, you know, like the entire time. You know, going, you know, crossing the border into America. I know these are difficult times for uh, <clears throat> politically. We don't have to get into it, but <laughs> I, I do know it's difficult. Um, so I just hope that you were treated with respect and kindness as you should have been. And I hope you enjoyed the game. And what a game to to watch, to um, witness Mark Gasol make his debut with the Raptors. And we just finished talking about Gasol once the trade happened. So this is sort of serendipitous, if you ask me. Yeah, it was it was pretty great. And there was a strong Raptors contingent at the MSG too. So you couldn't look any... There's, you're surrounded by Raptors fans. So it, it almost felt like a home game and... There, I, I'm sure it came across on TV, but there was so many "Let's Go Raptors" chants, and um, it, it was a pretty unique environment. And also, you know, being in the world's most famous arena for the first time was a pretty unique experience as well. But man, yeah, I, the Raptors are on a six-game winning streak. Um, it's the All-Star break. You know, things are things are going pretty well for the Raptors. We're one game back of Milwaukee for tops in the East. We're about to hit the stretch run and. Um, yeah, I always say this, but you know, I don't take this for granted. It's a great time to be a Raptors fan. It seems that this, the Raptors fever, for lack of a better way to put it, is sort of bleeding into other areas of the NBA. Um, and, and it's just little touches like, so for instance, last night, you know, we're, we're in the middle of all-star weekend right now. We're recording this on uh, Sunday afternoon. Um, we had Danny Green put on a pretty decent performance last night at the in the three-point contest, uh, knocking down 23 points, but he was eliminated, of course, by uh, Curry. And, you know, we sort of saw that coming, I, I guess. Um, but Steph put on a performance. I think if Steph didn't do that, Green would have advanced, but he didn't. Um, but still, a good performance. You know, he, he was humble about it. Um, it wasn't as brutal as previous Kyle Lowry performances, so there's something to hang your head on when it comes to a Raptor in a three-point contest. And as well, um, I don't know how you felt about this, but for me, like the dunk contest, I was looking forward to it. I Look, All-Star Weekend for the NBA is the All-Star event that I look forward to out of any other sport. Any other major sport, like baseball used to be fun. It's kind of dying down. Football, whatever. Hockey, whatever. I'm not a hockey fan. Um, so the dunk contest, I was like, all right, let's go. These are like not, you know, household names in the NBA. Maybe they can make make a name for themselves here. And it sort of surprised me that the uh, Diallo won by ripping off Vince's dunk. And it was sort of like, I know he did it over Shaq, but I'm just like, that's not original. And again, like a Raptors moment sort of gets, I don't know, a little sour, don't you think? Well, Adam, I have to be honest. I have zero interest in All-Star Weekend. <laughs> I'm, I, I, but did you see the dunk? I saw the dunks. I saw the highlights, but um, I, I <laughs> it just goes bad. I, I, I can't. You know, like it's hard for me to watch meaningless basketball and I might watch like the first five minutes of the all-star game, but it's an exhibition. There's nothing at stake. So I don't really pay attention to it. Right. Um, and last night was, was date night with the wife, but I did catch um, the tail end of the slam dunk contest when I got home. But man, the last time 
Like it, it, it just every time I watch the dunk contest, and I think a lot of people feel this, and maybe it's I hope it's not just a Raptors thing, but you think of Vince Carter's iconic performance, and I, I still remember watching that live, and just like the like it, it's hard to go back in place. Like he was doing things that we hadn't seen before. Right now, it's sort of like yeah, we kind of seen that. That's kind of like that. It, it, it's hard to surprise people now they have to like blake griffin has to jump over a car like they have to do gimmicky things because vince carter kind of like he broke the dunk contest yeah he did like it's gonna take somebody like him who's a freak athlete like yes we have freak athletes in the nba but vince carter in his prime was he's probably the best in-game dunker in nba history and I, I i don't think that's hyperbole to say that either like he he was so incredibly athletic and i i remember his peak years in toronto very well like you were treated to like one or two he would do 360 dunks in the middle of a game just because he could yep. and he made it look effortless so to me vince carter broke the dunk contest and i i still remember being a young lad and just like my mouth agape like at what he was doing like he like as if he was defying physics and and gravity and everything i know (laughs) so you know ever since then like it's everybody's trying to not necessarily copy him but he he broke it he 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 made it so everything we see now is like yeah that's okay even though these guys are jumping over people and doing pretty incredible athletic feats but yeah i hear you man like but personally, I can't get too excited. I don't get too excited about the All-Star break. I view it as like a weekend without basketball and um, and time to spend quality time with the wife. I don't blame you, man. I really don't. Uh, what was it? Friday. Friday evening. Uh, I wasn't able to watch the Rising Stars game. And I, the only reason why I wanted to do it was because of OG. But I, I, I couldn't because the daughter has an ear infection. She's good now. She's fine. But, um, the, you know, sleeping or sleep time was sort of at a premium at that point. So not, I had to sort of make a sacrifice, I guess you can say. And it was a, a willing sacrifice at that point. Wait, but you, you picked your infant daughter over watching <laughs> OG. At, oh no. I know, man. I Cancel know. the podcast. I know. I know. I'm not, not living up to my priorities here. I get it. <laughs> but there is something that I wanted to, to touch on uh, regarding all-star weekend. And I don't know if you saw it. And this made me feel sort of old. And it's just because like the future is so amazing right now. Did you see the 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 changing jersey that Adam Silver presented? I did, and it's I, amazing. I, it's, <laughs> I, <laughs> it's like Back to the Future come to life. Like yeah, like I don't know when they're gonna bring that out. I think he said like twenty thirty eight is the, nailed it. Yeah, twenty thirty eight is when they're aiming for it. But I can't. My my brain can't even imagine that. <laughs> you know what it is? You're gonna see like. It, it's it's a good and a bad thing. It's a good thing because you're going to be able to change your jersey like at any time you want. I imagine the colors won't change. So if you have a Raptors jersey, you're probably going to be able to change the name and number of a Raptors player, right? So you're not going to be able to put, I don't know, LeBron James in a Raptors jersey. Or maybe you can, but you're not going to be able to like swap a Raptors jersey to a, a Lakers jersey or what have you. It's going to remain a stagnant jersey at that point. But it's interesting because you're going to have individuals in what... 2038 so we still have some time to go you're going to have some individuals that are going to like carry their bandwagon-ness on their sleeve now like quite literally 
Exactly. And hopefully this means in 2038, I'll stop seeing Andrea Bargnani jerseys when I'm at the <laughs> Scotiabank Arena. Or you'll see more. <laughs> or I'll see more. All I just think is like, man, I feel sorry for these guys <laughs> that this yeah, is man. their Raptors jersey. <laughs> yeah. Wrong number seven. Number. Right. All right. Uh, so let's let's keep it going on, on All-Star Weekend. This is a, a good place to start. Um, so look. We all know that the game, the all-star game in and of itself, for the vast majority of time, players like to have fun with it. There's no real legit competition. And if there is, it's sort of at the end of the game, if not the final couple minutes. Um, and I'm trying to keep my eager tongue on a leash here because I don't want to, you know, play into the narrative here too much. But uh, Kawhi rested the the most recent regular season game for the Raptors. And there was, I don't want to say arguments to be made, but there was chatter on whether or not he should be able to play the All-Star game or whether or not he should rest. Um, I think Raptors fans don't realize that it's sort of up to Kawhi and not up to like the coaching staff as to what he does for the All-Star game. The coaching staff, meaning the Raptors coaching staff. They don't really have a say as to whether or not he'll perform in the All-Star game. So I kind of wanted to get your take on it. Is this something that you're going to hang your hat on? Is this a hill you're going to die on regarding Kawhi playing in the All-Star game? Or do you think it's not really a big deal because the game in and of itself isn't strenuous enough that we have to worry about his uh, knee ailments, for lack of a better term? I'll say this. I'm fully on board with resting Kawhi when needed. I view it as the Raptors are planning on playing 20-plus games in the postseason. So the way I'm viewing it is whatever number they've circled in their head as the number of games they think they're going to play in the postseason, that's the number of games they're going to rest Kawhi. It's important to remember Kawhi, I know he played nine games last year, but for all intents and purposes, he missed last year. You don't come back after not playing a full year and play an 82-game season Plan, we have plans and optimism that you're going to be playing in late May and in June and be 100%. That is not feasible. I think this is a one-year or two-year plan if Kawhi stays that, you know, he can take his time getting ready um, to be 100% for the playoffs. However, I do not fault fans for feeling miffed that Leonard missed Wednesday's game and will definitely play in the All-Star game. And we kind of see why now, because I think he's going, correct me if I'm wrong, Adam, but he's probably going to be rocking his new sneakers. He is, yeah. And they built a whole ad campaign around debuting this All-Star weekend. So you could kind of say they put marketability ahead of team priority on Wednesday because... If he got hurt Wednesday, he can't debut his new sneakers, and that commercial then kind of looks a little silly, right? Mm-hmm. So I can, I can, if fans are miffed, I cannot fault them, but I do hope they see the bigger picture. And I do think Kawhi will probably miss another five to six games because I've sort of did the rough math, and if the Raptors have plans of 
playing in June, they're going to play 20-something games. And I think that's the number they have in mind, 21 or 22. So that means Kawhi will probably miss another five or six games here and there because they have plans of playing deep. And I, and I don't blame them. And also, another thing that masks this is that the Raptors are winning. You know what I mean? With Kawhi, they're 30 and 13. And somehow without him, they're 13 and 3, which is just ridiculous, right? Yeah, yeah. So that masks a lot of things, potentially a lot of frustration. And there might, if, say, for example, I was crunching some numbers this morning. So LeBron James has missed 18 games. In those 18 games, the Lakers have gone 6 and 12. Anthony Davis with the Pelicans, he has missed 14 games. In those 14 games, the Pelicans have gone 4 and 10. So I I kind of played with the numbers, and the Raptors went 13 and 3 without Kawhi. But if for some reason they performed how the Lakers and Pelicans did without their star player, so the Lakers they played at a 33.3, they had a 33.3% winning percentage. The Lakers had a 28.6% winning percentage. So if the Raptors performed the way the Lakers and Pelicans did without their star player, they'd be sitting sixth in the Eastern Conference with a 34-25 and 25 record. Then I think there might be more noise about this. And also, this, this is also part of the recruiting effort. You don't think Kawhi is looking around and seeing LeBron rushing himself back from a groin injury just to, just to hopefully maybe we can get the eighth seed and then get our asses kicked by golden state you don't think that he can see that this team is killing it without him and affording him the ability to rest without feeling pressure of coming back so they could at least have home court advantage so if the raptors weren't as deep as they were they'd be sitting potentially in the sixth seed in the 16 games Kawhi has missed and i think that counts for something and that's part of the recruitment plan say hey Kawhi. You can take your time. We are good enough to win. We have missed so many games from so many players, yet we are one back from Milwaukee, and that has to be a great feeling for a superstar player. And I bet you the Anthony Davises of the world, the LeBron Jameses of the world, they're like, why are the Raptors 13-3 and without Kawhi and we're a <laughs> bottom feeder when I sit? Like These things go noticed. They do not go unnoticed by star players. I agree. And look, I am all for uh, resting your MVP caliber player. And I, and I think just me saying that gives me deja vu because I think I've said that on this podcast before. I am okay with him getting as much rest as necessary to prepare for the playoffs. Um, there were some people on Twitter that were like kind of pissed off about it. And I think the reason is, and I don't know how much you agree with this, but I think Raptors fans have sort of become spoiled uh, regarding like the success of the team. Yes, it's good to be successful. Yes, it's good to have a team that is able to pick up the load when the MVP caliber player rests. However, you want to win the playoffs. You want to go deep into the playoffs. Like As Raptors fans, we should know this by now. This should be the recipe that we hold on to. The regular season's fun. It's great. You know, finishing first last year, great. 59 wins, great. But what did it do for us in the playoffs? Nothing. Not a thing. It didn't do anything for us. We got knocked out in the second round. I don't predict that to happen again, but we should know by now that what matters is playoff performance, period. We should be prioritizing the health and the wellness of our players into the playoffs in order to make that deep push, in order to accomplish the goal of making it to a championship uh 
uh, postseason championship. We, that's what the goal should be. I get that you want to see him. I get that Raptors fans are paying customers that want to see the most advertised player and the most attractive player on the team, arguably. And I say arguably because we're going to get into Pascal Siakam in a bit. But arguably, the most attractive player on the team in terms of ability, I get it. But at the same time, we want to play the long game here. We want to be able to have the best player that we have on the roster compete long-term into the playoffs. So, look, and they don't even play back-to-backs in the playoffs. So anybody tweeting out that we're going to be screwed in the playoffs with these back-to-backs, they're on row back-to-backs in the playoffs. Okay, so like this is setting up just fine for Kawhi going into the playoffs. So I don't see this as being an issue. I don't see this as being as egregious as people are making it out to be because I think this is the recipe. And to touch on your point about how... He's probably taking notice in terms of how they're trying to attract him to stay. I think that has a lot to do with it. If not, well, I can't say entirely because you do want to watch out for the health of a human being, obviously. But you want to be able to, you know, sort of let him know, assure him that these things that we're doing, that the Raptors are doing rather, aren't because you're on a one-year deal. It's because we're looking out for you, man. And this isn't just this year. If you want to stay, we're going to continue to look out for you, period, because we want to win. So I think this goes a long way into the psyche, into the the mindset, into the choice that Kawhi is going to make come, what, June, July, whenever he's actually going to make it uh, for the Raptors, and not just the Raptors, for himself as an individual and as an athlete. You're absolutely right, and... I think it would be foolish to have assumed that Leonard was going to play all 82 games from the jump. That was just not realistic. But I'll also be lying when I see the update, Leonard's out. And I, I do feel a, a ting of disappointment because it's. I do want to see him play. But I think it's, like you said, it's important to understand the grand scheme of things. If Leonard is here or he's elsewhere he's not going to be doing this every year this is because he's coming off a catastrophic injury this is what needs to be this is what needs to happen if he's here next year with the raptors i fully expect them to probably manage his load again thinking long term again with the playoffs but he'll play more games and then in two years when he's fully comfortable he'll probably be playing the number of games that people will be happy with him playing so i I do see that, and I, I could understand, you know, it's expensive to go to a Raptors game. I could see a family having to explain to their kids, sorry, Kawhi Leonard's out, you, he's out for rest. Well, what's rest, kid dad? It's like, I don't know. So yeah. I do get that aspect of it, but Toronto's doing the smart thing, no matter if you're angry about it, you feel somewhat disappointed about it. Um, I think they're strategic with the games that he does miss. Um, a lot of them are against, like, the Wizards, the Hawks. You know, they're against sort of the teams that we should be able to hang our hat and say, we could beat this team anyways. And, you know, this team is stacked. And you mentioned it, Pascal Siakam. Like, the question is, at the beginning of the season, well, who Leonard's going to want to play with another superstar. Leonard's going to want to play with another superstar. Guess what? He already has one on his team. Yeah. Yeah. And if you want, we can just transition right into that because I feel like this is going to... Uh, be the chunk of the conversation that we have. Um, So look, in a game where Kawhi sat, it was the opportunity for someone to step up. Pascal Siakam, 44 points, 10 boards, 3 blocks, shooting 4 of 5 from deep, 10 for 12, 
at the line and a plus 24 in just south of 33 minutes. My God. Like, look, I know, like, the, the narrative at the trade deadline was if we're going to trade Pascal Siakam for anybody, it would be for a guy like Anthony Davis. And I don't discount that still. Even though it's a moot point at this point, I still would do that. However, having a guy like that on your team at such a young age, putting up these kind of numbers is nothing but encouraging. And having a guy that wasn't even, like... You know, you have these athletes that have been playing basketball all their lives. Like, they, they go to summer camps. They play AAU. They do these, like, outside workouts to try to improve their game. This kid just picked it up at 16. He picked up a basketball at 16 and said, like, hey, this this feels good or something. I'm, I'm speaking loosely here. <laughs> but, like, this is incredible. This is the definition of natural talent. Natural talent that no one saw coming. And to have a guy like this on the team, so positive, so poised, nothing but like hard work and explosiveness, my God, we are lucky to have Pascal Siakam as a Toronto Raptor. He, I was in the building Wednesday night when that happened, and man, it was a sight to behold. Like We got to see, whether it was for one night only, and I'm speaking about that Wednesday, what the Raptors' offense looks like if he's our primary option where it's dumped the ball to him. He'll go to work in the post by doing his spin moves. And it's just gotten to the point on fast breaks where Lowry just throws it. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, like, I'm going to throw it 10 paces ahead, knowing, like, oftentimes the throw is not, the throw is, like, going to be where Siakam will be by the time it lands because it's just like, this dude will catch it. I'm just going to launch it. Easy assists. The dude, no one, he's always ahead of the pack. No one can keep up with him. And... This has been a wonderful story all season, and dropping 44 points on the Wizards was was incredible. And where I was sitting, I had a clear view of the Raptors bench, and Kawhi Leonard was fully engaged with with Siakam because it became a big deal when he had 38 and 39. Right? Yep. You could they were kind of feeding him the ball, go for 40. They kind of sensed the moment, and Leonard was there. He was into it, right? And and the thing is, Pascal Siakam, how old is he? He's 24. Crazy. When do you hit your prime in the NBA? 27, 28? Yeah. So that's four more seasons from now. <laughs> what year is that? Is that 2038 already? Oh my, my math God. is bad. Is that when we'll have the <laughs> new jerseys? But four years from now, this guy will be in his prime. And, you know, we've kind of, Raptors fans have kind of joked, he's a superstar in the waiting, future all-star, future this. Dude, it's here. It's now, like, yeah. This guy next year, two years from now, he's going to be averaging just shy of 30 points a game at some point. He is just too elastic too explosive. He, you can't guard him. And it's not only what he does on offense. The dude guards one to five on defense. And he's not a, he's not a below average defender. He's not an average defender. He's an incredible defender. He has so much versatility on both ends of the floor. You this is unbelievable that this fell into our lap with the what the 27th pick in the draft yeah. and this has been an incredible story and i've been arguing for the last few months and maybe it doesn't seem like that much of an argument siakam's our second best player right now yes yes agreed uh, completely agreed and, and it's it's just nuts dude like it, the the amount of natural talent that he has is is absurd 
It's absolutely absurd, and I mean that in the most positive way because I have never really seen this type of explosiveness before. And, like, he's not the biggest guy, but he plays big. He plays in a fearless nature that is just, I, I don't know, it's captivating and so compelling that I, 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 I don't know. It's, it's one of those things that if we're going to build, as the rumors are suggesting, if the Raptors are going to build around him and OG, and we'll get to OG in a bit, same game. But if they're going to build around those two for the long term, how can you be discouraged with that? You can't. And what 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 has what if people said is like Siakam's kryptonite, the the sort of the one flaw in his game. It's the three-point shooting, right? Yeah. They'll always point to that. And I don't know if you remember last season, didn't he start the season like as a 25% free throw shooter? Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember that? Now he's he's knocking them down at an elite rate. And so for the season, he's hitting 34.1% of his threes. So you can call him a poor shooter all you want. That is a good number. Yes, it's a tick below league average, but for a guy who's only in his third year and every year has gotten like he hasn't just gotten incrementally better. He's gotten leaps and bounds better. And over his last 10 games where he's kind of hit this superstar plateau, he's knocking on the door. He's hitting 41.7% of his threes over the last 10 games. Adam, where he's also averaging 21 and a half points. Oof. Oof. 21 and a half <laughs> points, 41.7% shooting from distance. Like this is this is mind-boggling. I I don't think any like I I kind of we we all knew Siakam would be better this year, but I don't think anybody could have predicted how great he would be, similar to how no one could have predicted the leap Fred Van Fleet could have taken last year. And that's that to me this is one of the joys of being a fan. Like I like seeing how these sort of role players get better, how our younger players get better. There's so much more to enjoy about this team than worrying about whether Leonard plays or not. Like this team is fun to watch regardless when, especially when you have a guy who can go for 44 freaking points whenever he wants. Um, this is incredible. And him having a, hopefully a deep postseason run at such a young age where he will be a focal point and he will be relied upon on defense this is only going to build things up and you're playing with someone who Kawhi Leonard, who's been to two finals, who's been to numerous Western conference finals. Like this is only confidence building stuff. And also what gets lost in that 44 point game. And you mentioned it when you said, we'll talk about OG in a bit is that OG went off too. It's like, you kind of hope if you want that Anthony Davis trade package, you kind of hope Dell Demps. Well, I guess he's fired. He's fired. Yeah, he's gone. So whoever's watching the Pelicans was watching that Wednesday night game. And I jokingly tweeted out after Siakam's 44 point night that now it's the Pelicans that are going to have to throw in a bunch of first round picks if they want Pascal Siakam. Oh, yeah. But man, and OG went off too. the guy had against wizard. He, he was nine for 14 as well. He shot, he let it fly from downtown. He let eight of them fly. He hit 50% of them. He scored 22 points. And it's been a while since we've seen that. OG. the last time he topped 20 or more points was that game against Cleveland before Christmas. And he's kind of had a season marked by inconsistency, whether that's through some personal stuff he's been dealing with, missing games here and there. But this was a glimpse. If this is what he's capable of on a nightly basis, and he is still so very young that now we kind of understand why Masai Ujiri, the reports came out, he was, he's, he, 
Siakam and OG, those words were not even mentioned in trade discussions. It's encouraging, and I don't mean this to be uh, insensitive, but with in regards to OG's woes as of late, it's encouraging that it's nothing physical that we that might like sort of uh, remain an issue over time, right? I I know mental and emotional and family issues are a big deal. I'm not trying to downplay that at all, but it is encouraging that in terms of his physicality, he's okay. Um, and obviously, whatever personal thing he's dealing with or has been dealing with, we wish him nothing but the best. But it is encouraging to see him put on this type of performance. He was a plus 18 that game, and they combined, what was it for? It was 66 points they combined for? Ridiculous. Ridiculous that the two players, OG didn't even start this game. (laughs) Didn't even start this game, and he put on this type of performance? My God, dude, the future is so bright for this team. And I know like the the number one thing people are going to say is, well, if Kawhi's not here, it's broken. I don't think so. I don't think that it's broken. It may not be like first place material. Maybe it will be. I don't know. But this is certainly a group of guys that you can build around for certain. I think this might sound, I don't think this is actually outlandish, but like say for some reason, Kawhi missed the entire year, whatever reason. I still think this team could have won 50 games. Yeah. yeah. Like this team is, is, is really good. And that's evidenced by the 13 and three record um, when Kawhi sits. So if Kawhi leaves it, this is not a full scale teardown just by the sheer talent alone on this team. And especially being in the Eastern conference, they could, they would snag a playoff spot easily. So that, and they set themselves up in an interesting way, whether Leonard stays or resigns. Gasol has a player option. Lowry has one more year left. Who's going to sort of be the heir apparent to Lowry when he leaves? Is that Fred Van Fleet? There's still some questions to ask. But if you're Kawhi Leonard and you're on this team, we've already mentioned how they've performed so well, allowing him to take his time and not feel that he needs to rush himself back and then potentially further injure himself. Like I said, Adam, they'd have the sixth rec. They'd have the sixth spot in the East if they played at the same level that the Lakers and Pelicans did. Right. He doesn't have to worry about that. He doesn't have to sweat that. And then you're seeing Kawhi Leonard. It's like, okay, wow, man, we can make a deep run. Oh, shit. We just acquired Marcus Saul. Yeah. It's like, he must just be like, I just kind of put myself in issues. He must just be laughing like, oh my God, this is, I can't believe this is happening. Like we just, Masai Ujiri just keeps getting us better and better and better. And that plays a big role in this decision-making. And who's to say he goes to the Clippers. The Clippers are struggling. He's sitting out that LA media. Well, Kawhi's not playing. They're falling apart. Like he doesn't have to deal with that here. It's true. There's so many factors. I do not think this Kawhi to the Clippers thing is is written in ink. I think that those are just more than just rumors. From what we know about Kawhi, he's not one to tip his his hand to what he's going to be doing. Yes, I think the Clippers, they're the ones spearheading those rumors because they obviously have made it very, very clear that they want Kawhi Leonard. But if you're a Raptors fan and you said at the beginning of the season, we need to hit all these benchmarks in order for Kawhi to stay, we're hitting them and then some. Like, it couldn't have gone any better than it is going right this moment i agree i agree and i think that you know with the with the breakout of pascal siakam with og still showing signs of life 
Kyle Lowry sort of com- coming back to life. Like it, it's a slow process, but it's getting there. Uh, Serge having a solid season. Uh, and uh, as you mentioned, the addition of Marcus All, I think these things are, I don't want to say new to him because he's always been on good teams, but I think the aggressiveness of chasing a title might be a little new to him in terms of like the front office, like really making a push for it. And, and I think that would excite any player on a team. Like obviously when players see that your front office are pushing chips in, it sort of says like, Hey, we still believe in you guys. We want to give you all the help we can because we think that you can make a deep championship run. I think that, you know, makes them feel a little bit more, uh, I don't know, encouraged to, to push the need a little bit more and like, you know, flip that quote unquote playoff switch. Um, so I think that all these intangibles, all these things that we're talking about uh, will play a role with Kawhi Leonard. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. But to wrap a bow on the Pascal Siakam talk, I just want to read you a quote from Forbes, and I'm, I'm sure you saw this, but I, I want to just put it out on air. <clears throat> so this is after he was drafted, Pascal Siakam. Just what Toronto was thinking with this pick with Deonta Davis still on the board is a mystery. Pascal Siakam has talent, yes, but, is not a strong, but he is not a strong athlete, and even ESPN analysts were surprised that he went this high. GM Sayu Jerry must see something in him that others don't, but there's no doubt that the Raptors could have done so much better with this pick. Grade D minus. Like a shitty wine, this take has aged terribly. <laughs> yeah, that's that's obviously wow. Yeah, I saw that. At you uh, and you can't help but laugh. It just goes to show that those in the know don't know anything. Yep. And before I comment on that, I I wanted to put my own bow on the Kawhi Leonard thing. Sure. Like. Don't underestimate the fact that Leonard himself has something to prove. How many times have we heard Leonard's a system player? He's reaping the success of being in the San Antonio system. You know what I mean? Don't think he doesn't think these things. Don't think he's not ready to say, I'm leading this new team to a title. They're putting the franchise on my back. I am not a system player. I am the system. But back to Pascal Siakam, you know, it just goes to show these good people in the know don't really know anything and i think the draft this are these are discussions i have with my friends because i find this very interesting players now this is the draft is different than it was 20 30 years ago when players would spend three or four years in college meaning you had three or four more years of data to sort of determine what kind of player this is going to be right players now are coming out after one year and aren't, we're seeing a lot of instances where lottery picks are out of the league. They're not getting second contracts. They're being waived on their rookie contracts because you only have one year's worth of data to evaluate these players. This is why we're having more busts than usual. More players like Dragon Bender, Marquise Chris, who are taken in the top six, flaming out. Probably not going to be in the league very much longer. Or if they are, they're your 10th or 11th man. Because it's more of a risk now. It's more of a gamble. It's more of a having uh, an optimal front office doing their due diligence. You have to be more prepared now than you had to, say, be 20, 30 years ago when these guys have been in, the, in college three or four years. This is kind of the player they're going to be. We've seen... Anthony Bennett flame out, Markel Fultz flame out. I don't think this would be happening so much if players were spending more time in college, but things are more of a gamble now. And this is why you could find a diamond in the rough in the second round, a Rudy Gobert, a Draymond Green, 
a late first round, like a Pascal Siakam. And this is what always boggled my mind about OG Ananobi. Prior to him being hurt, he was pegged as a top 10, top 8 selection in the lottery. Easily. So... The just so happens the day of the draft that whatever that is that he happens to be hurt on that day, and you have GMs who are thinking, "Oh my God, I got to save my job. I can't draft a player who might redshirt his first year in the NBA. I got to draft somebody who's healthy the day of the NBA draft." Masai Ujiri doesn't have to do that, and because of other front offices' stupidity, a player like OG Ananobi, what did he fall to? Is it 21st or 23rd? I can't remember offhand, but somewhere in that range, because Masai Ujiri has the confidence and the backing of a well-run organization to say, oh my God, we got a lottery pick because somebody didn't want to draft him because he was injured in May. How stupid is that? And now OG Ananobi ended up playing his rookie season. He's showing promises of what he is. But I think a lot of these draft mistakes are because we don't, these scouts and stuff only have one year's worth of data to to make these estimations. And that just goes to show people, these guys don't know anything. And, you know, to write off somebody like that. Like, if you're reading that and you're Pascal Siakam, you're his family, you're his mom, you're his brother, you're his this, you're his that, and you're reading some jerk writing him off like that, it's kind of rude in hindsight. But I get that's the job, right? You have to make your evaluation on that. But you know what the thing is? GMs make mistakes, they get fired. Writers make mistakes, they just chalk it up to, oh, well, that's how I felt at the moment. I was wrong. There's no consequences for having your hot take of the moment. Um, so it's a shame that that's what's written, but you know, it's also, I'm sure that gave him a little bit of a chip on his shoulder and it's comical to read in hindsight. So the next time we make a selection and it's booed, it could only, well, they could be the next Pascal Siakam. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I do, I have to admit that when, all right, so when the Raptors did draft OG Ananobi, I was excited because, you know, the film on him was encouraging. Um, and I knew there was an, an injury, uh, concern with him. I want to say it was an ACL. Um, injury and that's that's nothing to sort of like scoff at however I was of the mindset you know knowing that ACL injuries take a while to recover from um, I was of the mindset that he wasn't going to start the year um, on the Raptors I thought like he might have to have some extra recovery time maybe play in the G League a bit just to get his feet wet and they'll bring him up gradually Uh, there's no quit in this guy because he came up immediately. He was there game one last year. And the guy, I don't know. I, I think that once he regains his explosiveness, which is something that you that is a result of an ACL injury, that's um, something you have to regain. And I don't even think we've seen it yet. We've seen it in spurts. But once that is fully rectified with him, uh, OG Hananobi is going to be a great player. And he's already proving that he can be already. And this is what I'm talking about. You're right about Pascal Siakam. You're right. The talking heads oftentimes don't know what they're talking about. Like, it's just they're trying to, to come up with narratives that are controversial. I get it. But when it comes to something like this, like a, a D minus, close, close to an F grade for a Pascal Siakam in terms of a draft pick, and he's playing his ass off right now just completely out of his mind and the surefire mip right i remember tweeting out i don't know if you saw it while you were at the game but i'm just like forget chanting mip chant mvp for this kid this game like just for this game like because it's he played like a legitimate bona fide 
superstar. And I don't think that this is like a one-trick pony thing. I don't think that this is a flash in the pan with Pascal Siakam. I think you're right. I think with this kind of foundation, with this kind of potential, oh, man. Oh, man. Like, if he's not an all-star next year, there is a conspiracy against the Toronto Raptors. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's it's, – it's, it's not even a debate. He's a, he's a superstar right now. Like – how how big of a superstar he can be that's still to be determined but that's in his that's that's in his wheelhouse right now he's going to be a 20 point per game score and like I, I mentioned to you his stats over the last 10 games i think that's the real pascal siakam in the sense that as the season goes on he gets better he gets better he gets better he gets better and i think these last 10 games are the the siakam that we're going to see going forward the rest of this season and then whatever leap he takes the next season and then wherever he is in his prime, like I said, four years from now. And the thing about OG, he his offense is a work in progress. And he's shown flashes of being a really great offensive player. But he came in already as an elite defensive player. He was guarding LeBron James in the postseason last year. Why? Because he was our best defensive player option yeah you know what i mean like how many rookies can say that like you're our best defender you got to go up against lebron james like and he didn't he didn't blink an eye like he he took it as this is a challenge and that's what you want from a young player and what whether og is scoring 22 points whether he's scoring five points the dude is an oak tree on defense guys can't post him up he's tenacious defending on the perimeter so whatever you don't get on offense on any given night the dude is bringing it on defense every single night and when he fully achieves his capabilities and you have siakam you have og you have Kawhi as a defensive three-man lineup Ooh. like and danny that and is, danny and danny yes let's not understate danny and and lowry too is a great defender of point guards leads the league in charges taken man we haven't seen the best yet of of, of this team and 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 it's, it's also wild like we were talking about marcus salt earlier this is how really good this team is memphis's best player is coming off our bench <laughs> That's so true. That is, oh man, that is so true. That is a and good way to look at it. Wow. That's not a slight on Marc Gasol. That's, that's just the state of affairs in Toronto. It's a, it's a testament to the talent that is loaded on this team. And I know like a lot of that has to do with chemistry, with Serge being in the system and integrated into the system for the entirety of the season and, and also last year and also half of the year, quote unquote, half of the year previous. But there is something to be said that, you know, once Gasol really understands the system, once he really understands the offense, the scheming, everything, like integrates himself into the plays a little bit more. There's an argument to be made that he might not come off the bench. I get your point that it's it's still like outrageous to think that, you know, this <laughs> the guy that was a staple, his number is going to be retired in Memphis coming off our bench. And it's and this I, I, I compared this in a an article I wrote after the Nets game that if nurse coach Nick Nurse can sell Gasol on being playing that JV role. And I only mean that in the sense of 
playing backup to Ibaka where they had that platoon system, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not being JV, but playing the JV role. That could be the equivalent of when Golden State hit it rich by having Andre Iguodala coming off the bench and Steve Kerr being able to talk an all-star into being a sixth man. And I, like you said, Gasol's going to need time to get integrated into the offense. But I also think the Raptors are going to need time to realize what they have, that they could run the offense through Gasol. There were many possessions where um, Norman Powell, Gasol ends up playing a lot of minutes with Powell. Norman Powell was driving, doing this, and I was just like, give it to Gasol at the elbow. Mm -hmm. He will figure something out. Yeah. And that's going to take time. And I don't fault Powell. I don't fault other players for that. You, you don't play 50-something games one way, and suddenly you, your brain can make the, the muscle memory kicks in. This is how I have to play. Once they fully weaponize Marc Gasol and realize what he has in his bag of tricks, whoo! Like uh, we've only we haven't even talked about Marcus Gasol, Adam, and we've been talking <laughs> about how great this team is. You know what I mean? Just to put that in perspective, and the game against the Nets. I don't know how many minutes he played. I think he played less than 20, but he went for 16 points. He shot seven for nine. He showed off his bag of tricks. He was scoring on post-ups, making hook shots, spaced the floor with his three-point shooting, hit from the main mid-range, and he made some incredible passes. And I was I meant to tweet this to you, and I must have forgotten, but with Marc Gasol, he's going to give you like three to four, two sweet moments of the week, Adam. And you're oh, gonna, yeah. you're, this, just, this is going to make it harder on you to determine and what's the best play of the week with Mark Gasol on the team? It's it's going to be epic. And, you know, like, th- that's what you want. Like, you want to be able to, like, sh- sift through all these plays and be like, oh, man, which was the best? And you want to have that internal debate in your head as to what play stood out to you. And when you have these playmakers on the floor and these, you know, these uh, alone, these self-standing, outstanding players on the floor – I don't know, man. Like, I, I don't want to fall into the trap like I did last year of, like, overhyping myself with this team. But it's so difficult because they're just so good right now. And they're just humming. So, I I don't know. I, I think that the, the future is bright right now. And, like, we know that – I think we know that Gasol will probably pick up that player option next year because he's, you know – turning he's getting he's only getting older it's a 25 million dollar option he's going to take it so with or without Kawhi, when you still have this core with marcus saw on this team you're still looking at a good team like you're still looking at a playoff team albeit maybe like as you mentioned maybe a fourth or a fifth or a sixth team but there's still a playoff team and that is something that if Masai can work his magic again and sort of just like add that little sprinkle of magic whoever it may be whoever this team's going to be good for a long time yeah, with Masai, anything's on the table. Like, how many times have we been, we've been surprised by an acquisition? Like, whoa, we got Ibaka for who? Yeah. Terrence Ross? Wow, okay. We got Gasol for who? Valanchunas? Yeah, that was hard to part with. Valanchunas was ingrained in Toronto culture. We talked about it on your, on your podcast when we did the trade deadline reaction. Mm-hmm. That's hard because that's a cultural player in terms of being sort of um, in the system for a long time. But the players we parted with, like we said it before on the other part, the podcast uh, about the trade deadline, because Ujiri didn't want to pay DeLon right, but he flipped that and a struggling CJ miles into another incredibly defend, a great defensive player, Marcus Gasol. Yeah. And we still haven't even talked about Jeremy Lin. <laughs> and I'll, I'll say this. I don't know. I, I, I haven't been paying too much attention to Twitter over the last couple of days. Jeremy Lin's better than DeLon Wright. Yeah. 
Yeah. And we got him off the scrap heap. This is why Masai Ujiri didn't want to pay DeLon Wright 10, 11 million a year because these types of players are already available. And for those who are saying, Peter, you're crazy. DeLon Wright is so much better than Jeremy Lin. Well, Adam, let me break it down for you. In 18.9 minutes, DeLon Wright is averaging 6.9 points, 2.4 assists. In 19.8 minutes, Lin is averaging more points, 10.7 points, 3.6 assists. He's also a better shooter, 54% of his twos compared to 48% of DeLon Wright's twos. DeLon connects on 32% of his threes on such a low volume of threes. Oh, yeah. Le- Jeremy Lin hits them slightly better, still not that great, at 33% at 2.6 attempts. And there's something to be said about playing with a team that is has championship aspirations, that instills a reinvigoration in you, that brings out the best in you, as opposed to playing out the stretch, thinking about your vacation plans for April. That is why I think Lin is going to be even better than the Lin that we know he is, and Gasol is going to be even better than the Gasol he's been, because they're playing for something. They're as a Opposed to just playing out the string, the playing out the stretch of the season where it's like there's nothing at stake here. We got nothing happening. I just don't want to get injured. Let me make a couple shots here. It's like, oh no, I gotta be at my A game because my teammates are holding me accountable because we want to be playing in June. This brings out a different type of player. This is why anytime somebody says, Well, he's playing like this in Atlanta. Yeah, you're playing in Atlanta. They're they're like 18 games below 500 you're playing for a team that's on pace to win 60 wins that is going to bring the best out of you and i think that counts for something so for those bemoaning the loss of delon Wright, dude lynn is better than delon Wright. yeah let's roll with that let's roll with jeremy lynn's uh the lynn sanity aspect of toronto uh once again uh this time in a raptors jersey um so you set it up nicely look the timing couldn't have been better for Jeremy Lin to make his uh, his his debut with the Raptors, seeing as though Fred Van Vliet is going to be out approximately five weeks with ligament damage to his left thumb. Now, when someone says ligament damage to left thumb, shooter, uh, five weeks, I'm thinking a little bit longer than five weeks. But the, it's okay because we have Jeremy Lin now on this team. Um, when asked why he signed with Toronto, and I think this is something that Toronto Raptors fans can can hold their hat on a little bit, uh, he expressed that the team, quote, really, really wanted him and were really aggressive in their pursuits for him. Uh, there's obviously a learning curve for him right now that he has to pick up the offense, much like Gasol, right? But quite the pickup, and at a really good time, and you've expressed it, man, like off ball. Like I get on the ball, you said on the ball numbers with Lynn compared to DeLon Wright. He is better. Off the ball, though, like his basketball IQ is top notch. And that's something that I'm not saying DeLon Wright is a bad player. If you're in the NBA, you're a good player. But in terms of his role on this team, in terms of his future on this team, it was sort of a question mark, if not something like leaning towards the negative. So what are your, what are your overall thoughts of having Linton? You, you saw it live. So like, what are your overall thoughts of Jeremy Lin being on the Toronto Raptors? And how much do you think this will put into, uh, into play in terms of like the veteran leadership moving into the playoffs? Cause like he said it himself, he wants to taste it. He wants to taste the playoffs with any team and he wants to make a deep run and having a, a guy with the clout of Jeremy Lin saying, I wanted to play for the Toronto Raptors. That's huge. It's huge. And it goes to show players don't care where they're playing as long as they can taste it, as Jeremy Lin said, right? 
as long as they can see the potential to get to a championship. And I'm not underplaying Toronto there because Toronto is one of the the best cities in, in North America. In the world. It's one of the largest markets. It's, it's an incredible city. And especially if you're an international uh, player, we are a diverse market. There's a reason Porzingis said had the Raptors on his list. We're, we're, these, these are markets. Um, this is a market that players want to play in. And I've already got into the reasons why Lynn is better than DeLon Wright. So don't at me. Actually, at me about it. I don't care. Yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, it, it just... It just speaks to that. And watching live, like what Lynn met his teammates, what, two hours prior to tip off? Yeah. And I, I don't know if you can remember, but when he came on, there was like a five or six minute stretch where it looked discombobulated, which 100% was expected. You don't just step onto a floor and have instant chemistry with your team. And I tweeted it at the time. Kudos to Nick Nurse for not calling a timeout and just realizing this is what happens right he and i eventually after six minutes of it he called the timeout and the same five players came back out in this late in the second quarter and after that timeout for the next three or four minutes the ball was humming they had a better sense of it so this is why nurse let them play through it fully understanding you know this is hesitant this is it, it just seems a little disorganized but they have to play through it there's no other choice i can't pull them out and say oh sorry this is your fault even though you just met us two hours ago right right like he let him play through it and he ended up finishing with what a, a great line he had like eight points five boards five assists and in 25 minutes and that's all you want from your backup hold the fort until lowry can come in and they even did some lowry and lynn minutes as well which was fun to see but i think we're gonna this team is really really good and i i when we were talking about marcus all i want I've noticed this from watching him live, and I don't know if it comes across on the broadcast, and I want Raptors fans to pay attention to this. Gasol is chatty. He's pointing where people should be on defense. When there's a timeout or a stoppage in play, whether someone was fouled, he grabs someone and he's pointing to them. Cut here. Go there. This is what you need to do. Encouraging people to take shots. He is vocal. So I want Raptors fans, that's my challenge to you. Watch the next few games. Just watch Gasol when he's out there. He's a chatty one, telling players where to be, where to cut. And when there's breaks in play, kind of designing plays for them, telling them where to go and what to do. And that's kind of what you want from an acquisition like that. He's not shy. He's, he's, he's ingratiating himself into the team very, very well. And we have Lynn. We have Gasol. There might be somebody else down the road because the deadline's March 1st. And whoever it is, I'm sure it will surprise surprise us and there's always one percent of me adam you know me so well that i'm hoping it's vince carter <laughs> but, but that's just the nostalgia in me but man we've talked for an hour and like we have so many tools at our disposal it, it, it's quite a bag of tricks we have i don't want to uh shit on the parade here when it comes to jeremy lynn okay like i i don't want to have that come across in this show because i am very happy that he's on this team but like you with the uh, the deadline reaction show, I'm going to put my conspiracy hat on, my little tinfoil conspiracy hat on, and I want to take your to pick your brain about this. So check it out. When Jeremy Lin says the team really, really wanted me, I don't want to make him sound disingenuous, but how much of that really, really wanting him was a result of Fred Van Vliet's injury? I think they needed a third point guard after they parted with DeLon Wright. Okay. Fred Van Vliet's injury created that sense of urgency. 
But I don't think, um, I mean, if we didn't get Lynn, we'd be relying a lot on some G League point guards at the moment. So for Lynn, who's playing for another contract, saw he could get 25 minutes, saw the amount of minutes that even DeLon Wright played as the third point guard. I just think it was a perfect fit. But it's also perfect timing because, yeah, Van Fleet went out and now we can plug and play with Jeremy Lynn. But I think they knew potentially the extent of Van Fleet's injury and they'll probably tell him to take his time as well because I think he's, he's a bit nicked up in other aspects. But they definitely really wanted him. And, that, and what these waiver wire pickup guys want, they're thinking about their next contract. They're thinking about where they can get the most minutes. That's why you saw Wesley Matthews sign in Indiana. The dude is starting now. They they want to get paid. And I don't fault them. I, I do the same thing. And Lynn saw an opportunity. The Raptors saw an opportunity. And it, and it worked perfectly. I don't doubt what you're saying is incorrect because the Raptors def- definitely needed somebody. And they probably pushed very hard to get him and and it worked yeah yeah I don't want to make it sound like they didn't want him like to play for the team and all of a sudden Fred got hurt and oh now we want him like I I don't think that's how it went down I think Masai was uh correct when he said that I'm going to be aggressive uh him and Bobby were going to be aggressive in their pursuits of buyout candidates and they certainly were like we saw it with Lynn um I didn't think it was going to happen when, you know, Lynn, I, I was sort of two separate things, like reading the same tweet from Woj saying like, oh, Lynn is going to get bought off and plans to be with the Raptors. I'm like, oh, that's cool. That's awesome. Um, it, it's a perfect marriage right now for the two parties. And I, I do think, though, that there was a level of, hey, we not only want you, we kind of need you right now because of this injury. So, like, the timing couldn't have been better. So I do think in their pursuits, they were probably a little bit more aggressive because of the injury. Again, that's not to mean that they were disingenuous in their pursuits. That's not to say anything that they, you know, wouldn't have won them otherwise. I just think because of the injury, uh, they sort of put their foot on the gas a little bit more. Exactly. And if if we have our conspiracy tinfoil hats on, Adam, um, do you remember what I said to you on the trade deadline reaction podcast about Kyle Lowry? About the uh, the trade rumors? Yes. Lighting a fire under him. And I think they were kind of leaked for a reason. A sense of complacency was setting in. The dude has been a house of fire since those yes. rumors. Like yes. In those five games, the dude's averaging 16.5 points, 8.8 assists, 4.6 rebounds, 1.4 steals, and the dude is raining fire from downtown. 45.5% of his threes. Is that a coincidence? Is that the fire lit under him? I don't know. But I think those, like I said on that podcast, I think those rumors leaked for a reason, and I don't and I said at the time, I think we're going to see the return of All-Star Lowry, and we have. Yeah, and the, the timing of the All-Star break uh, couldn't have been better because I'm sure there's much-needed rest. Again, he's going to play tonight. I don't expect him to log heavy minutes into a meaningless game anyway. And even if he does, it's not going to be that strenuous anyway. But with that fire, along with some much-needed rest, I see the trend upward for Kyle Lowry moving forward. Exactly. And after the All-Star break, we play a number of home games. So they're, they got a lot of time to rest, recuperate, and hopefully get some practices in. And, and I think there's even a big game happening on Friday night, but I could be wrong. All right. So you set this up nicely. It's like you're reading my mind. So let's move on to that. Look, <laughs> usually I go an hour, but I'm, I'm glad we're going long for him because I have the time. So this is, this is good. 
Um, so look, it's a long weekend, Adam. It, I got all the. T- let's go for four hours. <laughs> <laughs> what are we, Joe Rogan? All right. So look, here we go. Uh, Demar's coming home, and I say home like because this is where he's regarded as home, where the city of Toronto still regarded it regards as home for him. He's coming home Friday. And uh, you will be there, I, I think you said. On, on, I'll be there. All right. So I would, this is this is a moment. This is a moment. All right. So as you have already proved within the hour of the show already, one of your many strengths on the show is your passion and how it bleeds through, you know, on audio for this team and your ability to to emote regarding the Raptors while remaining objective. Right. I think that's one of your many strengths on this team. Uh, that said, feel free to emote here. What are your expectations for Jamar DeRozan's return to Toronto in terms of the reception, his response, and his performance? And how do you think this game is going to flow? And before you answer, I'm glad we talked about Jeremy Lin because that historic performance at the ACC with Lin on the Knicks, it was one of the only times I've seen the opposition specifically a player on the opposition gets such an ovation like throughout the game, right? I expect DeMar DeRozan's return to be very similar, if not louder than that, if that's even possible. So go ahead. Whew, Adam, I'm getting emotional already. <laughs> I've kind of been in denial that it's his game on Friday. And it, it, it's kind of funny because my wife keeps reminding me about it. She's like, oh, it's Friday. DeMar's homecoming. And I'm like, yeah, yeah it is. And separate note, I'm always, <laughs> sometimes my wife surprises me. She picks up Raptors knowledge by osmosis. <laughs> so so it, it, nothing's funnier than we're watching a game and she'll say something like, when Kawhi's playing, they kind of look a little disjointed as if they're getting used to him. And I'm like, damn, you've never been sexier. <laughs> but <laughs> but anyways, anyways, I digress. <laughs> but I've, I've kind of been in denial that it's his homecoming because it's one of those where a relationship ends and you end up in a better relationship and that person ends up in a not-so-great relationship. So you're kind of almost ashamed of the accomplishments you have with him coming home. The team is finally being talked about as a legit finals contender. And that's got to hurt a little for DeRozan. He's not in the all-star game this year. If he was in the East, he'd be in the all-star game. So there's a lot of mixed emotions with this. And I was there when Dwayne Casey um, came back in that Detroit game where they won it at the buzzer and, and Casey yeah. celebrated like he won the title, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, which was his FU to the organization. And during his tribute, which him as a coach, I, uh, it was a loud response. I got a little emotional being there. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if there's not a dry eye in the house on Friday. There, I hope, the, and I hope and expect the Raptors to go all out with numerous tributes throughout the night. And Adam, that standing ovation, I'm going to make a prediction. The game's going to start a little bit late. I agree. I think that when uh, some of the things that the Raptors do so well, their their media and PR team is they have an incredible ability to pull on the heartstrings when it comes to promos. Like, Open Gym does this so well. And I, I reference this a lot on the show. Game two of the uh, the regular season, that game against Boston, that pre-game uh, video narrated by Socrates, that was incredible about, like, what the goal is. Don't worry about Kawhi staying or leaving. Just enjoy the season for what it is because we may never see this again. They have the the ability to pull on the heartstrings to get you fired up and to uh, really make you feel like this is this is all that matters right now, right? 
And I definitely see them doing something like this for DeRozan and then some. Like, the, the organization, whether you want to think it or not, whether you agree with it or not, there are some that say the organization did him a little dirty, but then there are other people that say, like, this is what needed to be done in order to to improve the team and their aspirations for a championship. Look, I get it, and and I, I'm sort of on both sides of the fence, but I'm enjoying the season for what it is right now. Yeah, and it's important to remember that where we are now, it is only possible because of DeMar DeRozan. Absolutely. He built the We the North era. When Chris Bosch left, what did he tweet, Adam? What did uh, DeRozan tweet? Oh, I got, I got us. I got us. I, I thought you meant Chris Bosch. I'm like, I don't even no, know. When yeah. Bosch left, what did DeRozan, DeRozan tweet? tweet? I got us. I yeah. got us. Yes. It seemed foolhardy at the time, but man, he had us. Like he he legitimized the Toronto Raptors. He helped birth the We the North era. If it wasn't for him, we wouldn't be we wouldn't be experiencing the success we have now. He laid the foundation. And the unfortunate part of that business is once sometimes when you lay that foundation and you become that good of a player. You could be swapped out for somebody even better than you. And for the Raptors, for people to say they did DeRozan dirty, man, I can't argue with that. But I'll just say this. He still has $150 million. Isaiah Thomas is on a minimum contract. So definitions of being done dirty is a little bit different. And DeRozan was the first player to not only... He signed a third contract with the Raptors. He, as somebody who we drafted, sure, Bosch signed a second one. Carter signed a second one. They never signed a third. When he was a free agent, he could have went home to the Lakers. But at 12.01, he met with no one and he signed. He gave this franchise currency. He legitimized it. And nothing annoys me more than when people Barry DeRozan when they're praising Leonard. Those are two separate things. You do not need to do one to do the other. And it's important to remember, without DeRozan, we would not have got Kawhi. We would not be viewed as the organization that we are. And if you're a dick and you think you need to boo DeRozan at the air at the Scotiabank Arena, shut the fuck up. Yeah. This guy deserves a standing ovation. He deserves a lengthy standing ovation. And Adam, if he comes and he kisses center court, I'm going to ball like a baby. I'll <laughs> tell you that much. I, so, I agree. Yeah. So if, if you are heartless and you, your eyes are dry on Friday, shame on you. This is a time to appreciate everything DeRozan has put in to this Raptors organization. And without him, none of the success we're experiencing today is possible. And his jersey will be retired. And I hope he's the first jersey that is retired. He deserves it. The greatest Raptor of all time. Agreed. Agreed. And I think that there's something to be said uh, about this game because it's one of the games... This is dissimilar to when the Raptors went to San Antonio. To me, the Raptors going to San Antonio, the result wasn't secondary. Like, even during the game, like, it, it was sort of like you're defending your guys. Yeah, you wanted to see DeMar 
perform well and you know, like you know you had that he you saw that he had the chip on his shoulder he had a great game I think it's his first career triple double if I'm not mistaken <laughs> right it, and it hasn't happened since um so you wanted to see that you, you're like okay like Demar awesome but you sort of I, I don't know if you did I felt like I'm still defending my dudes here like I'm defending Kawhi getting booed every time he touches the ball I'm defending Danny Green like those are still my guys man so like I I don't want to see them I, I kind of want to see them win this one you know for not just for themselves, but for the team, and to like kind of silence these fans. This game, though, the result is secondary. Like I, I know we're chasing like you know first in the East home court advantage. I get it, but I don't care if they lo- win or lose this game. All that matters to me is Demar Derozan coming to the ACC, Demar Derozan getting his video tribute, Demar Derozan putting on a show and getting the reception, like having that sense of closure that he like has outwardly expressed that he desires that he deserves for this team. Like it, it's, it's going to be emotional and correct me if I'm wrong, Peter, but I think this game is a nationally televised game. I think it's on ESPN. I believe you're right. Okay. I believe you're right. Yeah. And you're, you know, like you're absolutely right. Like this is, I think when years down the road, no one's going to remember who won or lost that night. But what you're going to remember is that feeling you had, during DeMar DeRozan's first game in Toronto. You will always remember that feeling. You'll probably be hard to recall if they won or if they lost, but Friday night is special, man. This is this is history. This is a footnote. This is going to be a chapter when someone writes that book about Raptors history, the night DeRozan came home. Yeah. Yeah, there are moments in Raptors history that you you sort of cling on to. Like, it, 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 good or bad. Like, you, you remember the dunk contest. Like, where were you when Vince had that dunk? You, were, you sort of envision that, and you'll never forget that moment. Uh, where were you when Vince missed the shot in the playoffs against the 76ers? Like, that's a bad moment, but it's still part of the history of the Raptors. Where were you when Kyle Lowry hit that buzzer beater three against the Heat? Like, you'll have that moment ingrained in your mind in exactly what you were doing. Where were you when Linsanity went off in Toronto? Where were you when Kobe Bryant went off against Toronto? Where were you when when the Raptors pushed to Eastern Conference Finals in six games, lost, but the crowd was cheering, uh, let's go Raptors, and even LeBron James was acknowledging that on air. Like, it shut the interview off and said, are you hearing this? Where were you when Masai Ujiri said, fuck Brooklyn? Where were you when that happened? You, you experienced these things. Where were you when you found out about Kawhi Leonard getting traded to Toronto for DeMar DeRozan? And where were you when DeMar DeRozan finally came home and had that emotion? response. So it's going to be one of those moments as a Toronto Raptors fan that you will never, ever forget because it matters to you. You you summed it up perfectly. And like I said, I've been in denial. This is coming Friday, but I'll be there. And man, I, no words can do justice. I'm already getting emotional thinking about it, but man, DeMar DeRozan was special, one of a kind. And man, I, I, I look forward to what they have in store Friday night. Let's move on to something a little bit more positive so we can get the emotions out. Uh, let's move on to the two-sweet moment of the week. So put up the wolf packs, put up the two sweets in the air, and let's let's talk about the two-sweet moment of the week. So, uh, and, and 
Side note here. Don't think I didn't notice you're, you're too sweet in the picture that you took. I, I, I saw it. <laughs> it was there. It, 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 it was there. It was hanging low. Yeah. Someone like me, I, I look for that. And I'm like, okay, there it is. People might think it, it's a rock on. No, that's a, that's a too sweet. So that's a too, That was for my buddy Adam and my buddy Omar. A little, a little too sweet, actually. We're, we're here. Yeah. We're, we're taking over. All right. So uh, I'd like to offer my too sweet moment of the week. I think that... It was it was kind of clear, and it was it was a welcome sight to have someone new be uh, ingrained to sweet moment of the week. It was the fast break pass by Lowry to Lynn with the reverse layup. I was just like, it, it's it's one of those connections that it, it, I just jumped off off my seat, and I was like, it's it's happening. Like Lynn Sanity, <laughs> my, like the artist formerly known as Lynn Sanity. I get it. It's not at that level, but as a Toronto Raptor, that's the closest thing to Lynn Sanity that I think we will see. What about you? That was pretty wild, and the reaction Lynn got, man, a shout out to the Raptors fans for welcoming Gasol with a standing ovation, and for the love they gave Jeremy Lynn. you know, like, whatever you want to say about Toronto, man, like, we are loyal, you, have, you don't even have to have played a minute for us, and we're going to welcome you with open arms, like, that has to be a great feeling for fans. And the moment you described, that's an incredible moment. And I'm going to go with a little different one. Sure. I'm going to go to the Nets game. Kawhi Leonard not only calling bank, but calling game. Yep. And it was an incredible moment because if you're going to poke a hole at Kawhi, you're going to say he's missed a few buzzer beaters. He's missed a few shots at the end of the game. And it was good to see him call game and 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 put an end to that game and hopefully that builds some confidence with him because we're not going to stop going to him the only we're going to keep going to him and it's going to be even more high pressured situation so kudos to him you know he was coming off two un like leonard games before that he had 11 points against the knicks um at msg so it was good to see him drop 30 hit the game winner and man, it's been a magical week. Kawhi game winner, Siakam 44. There's so many things you could point to, but I'm going to point to Kawhi calling bank and calling game. Let me piggyback, piggyback off that for a little bit. Um, did you see what he said post game in relation to no, Paul? Okay. Maybe, so Paul Pierce uh, calling bank. I, I guess the interview, uh, the players asked if he, uh, or the interview, I forget which one, but asked if he called bank and he goes, no, I called game. Unlike Pierce in his little interview. <laughs> he's a, he's a Raptor. He's man. a Raptor, <laughs> man. He's staying. He's staying. He's, I'm just, he's, he's staying. staying. He's, staying. <laughs> he's staying. But like that, that's something like you want to talk about tugging on the heartstrings a little bit, like for Raptors fans to hear Kawhi say about Paul Pierce, quote, his little interview. Uh, I mean, like, how can you not just melt in your chair and just be like, he knows, man, he, he gets us and we get he him. He gets it, man. Yeah. It's <laughs> that's, that's great. I, now that you mentioned it, I, I, I did hear that. And man, like, <laughs> it's hard not to like envision a future with Leonard as a Raptor. And I hope we keep going down that path and giving him reasons to stay. But man, yeah, this week has been a magical week for Raptors fans. All right, let's uh, let's move on to predictions. There's only one game to predict here, and it's the game. Uh, again, we, we touched on the emotional aspects. Let's talk about the analytical part here. Uh, Raptors hosting the Spurs in Toronto, nationally televised game. I'll let you go for your prediction first. What say ye regarding this? I think it's going to be a very emotional game. We've touched on it. I think that may affect how DeRozan plays. Um, it's 
if he's not if he's caught up in the moment but also if you're viewing this just as another game on the schedule san antonio smacked the shit out of us when we were there so i'm fully expecting us to return the favor i'm calling a blowout by like 15 20 points raptors win i agree i think the raptors are going to take this one and look like this is uh me you know a conspiracy hat is back on um i think as we mentioned DeRozan has something to prove when it came to the raptors coming to you know his new home in san antonio like i, th- I think the the emotion was that of sort of revenge I think the emotion for this game on his end won't be that of vengeance. I think it's going to be that of like, uh, you know, sort of warmth and uh, heartbreak, a little mix of that. And I think the emotions might play to his detriment, as you alluded to. So I do agree with you. I don't think he's going to be quite on his game as he was uh, the last time we saw them. And I don't expect a triple-double performance by DeRozan, but uh, you can bet your ass I think Kawhi has something to prove. So I, I do think the Raptors are going to take this one handedly. I agree. <laughs> but like we said, uh, when we're, we're not going to remember the score of this. We're just going to remember the, how we felt watching this. Exactly. And I think uh, the, uh, mark it on your calendars, guys, if you haven't already. Like for me personally, I'm going to be rocking my Thank You Comp 10 t-shirt that I got you know, shipped from Canada. That, that I paid the shipping price. And I'm happy to do it again. <laughs> Uh, I, I got it mailed to me. I will be wearing that shirt. I will be watching uh, emotionally, of course. I'll probably have to down a few drinks afterwards just to, you know, feel like a fan again, like, you know, <laughs> try to get my, my objectiveness going. But I, I will be watching this game closely. And any Raptors fan out there that's not watching this game, like, what the hell are you doing, man? Like, where are you? But, exactly. All right. Uh, you know the deal that's going to wrap it up. Uh, you can promote any and everything you got going on where people can find you on Twitter. Uh, you will be at the game on Friday. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I encourage you to file single file line heading to, to PPK <laughs> when you see him. And, uh, you know, yeah, I, I buy him a beer if you if you must, obviously. But what's going on, Peter? Where can people find you? Yeah, um, you can find my work at lifeinrepeat.com. I'm on Twitter at lifeinrepeat. Give me a follow. And like Adam said, I'm I'm at the vast majority of Raptors games. So if you're ever there, you want someone, you want to chat during the half, shoot me a direct message. I'm happy to meet up and have a beer and chat with you. I've had the opportunity to do that with a few fans and it's been, it's been an incredible experience. So um, don't hesitate and, you know, go Raptors and Adam, thank you so much for, for having me on. It's always um, a pleasure to, to chat Raptors with you and hit my music. I've got the looks that drives a cool while I've got the mood that really move I said chill up and down this fine Thank you for listening to the South of the Six podcast. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at South of the Six and to subscribe to our show. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. Yeah, we're everywhere. While you're at it, if you liked what you heard, do us a solid and leave us five stars and a quick review. We appreciate it. Thanks again. Go Jays and Raptors.
This is the Overtime Podcast Network.